0: Because, I mean, I am, like, for sure a workaholic, like, self-diagnosed. And that's obvious. It's, You're, like, <laughs> the
1: fastest responder to email that I've ever
0: encountered. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Which a, I love. It's, a, but it, it's, a, it's a problem. That's the worst part about working from home is the separation between work and home yeah, is very yeah. difficult. Um, but at the same time, I, I always wanted to figure out options of, like, where, where do I want to be happy?
1: This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. All right, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in this week. Today's episode, my conversation with Hank Donovan, the owner of Rattlesnake Cables, friend of the podcast, official cable provider of the podcast, and just a cool story Uh, You know, cables are maybe something that you would overlook in music, the importance of cables. And Hank makes the case quite uh, powerfully that they're actually super important. And it's cool to hear about his approach to that and the hustle it's taken to get uh, rattlesnake cables off the ground. We also hear about his own music, prominent musician in his own right. His band Magpies plays all around the country and check them out. So anyway, turn it over to Hank Donovan. Okay, so we're here today with Hank Donovan. Hank, thanks for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So, Hank, you're the owner-operator, all things Rattlesnake Cables. Uh, In fact, this is our first uh, recording, our first interview with your new cables installed in the studio. That's pretty awesome. Yes. And, you know, I am sort of starting to learn the sound game a little bit, but maybe you can tell me how these cables should sound differently than previous (laughs) cables.
0: Well, I mean, when, when we're dealing with, like, XLRs, it's a little different. Uh, where there's a, a sound difference mostly, uh, mostly goes with uh, instrument cables. That's where, where you notice the sound uh, for, like, guitar and bass cables. Okay. And that's all, it's all due with capacitance and how cables are designed and built. So that's, that's where we try to get the best design cables possible to, you know, provide a good tone for musicians.
1: Okay, so we'll get into all of that today, but you've been kind of a, a long-time contributor to the music scene here in Missoula uh, and beyond. I'd love to talk about that. I mean, your band, Magpie, I love your music, and um just love to hear sort of the story about how you got into music, you, you started a little later in life, and, and how it became such a big part of your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean... I've been playing instruments, guitar, for a long time. I just never really quit. So, like, Magpies, (laughs) that's like, you know, I've been in Magpies for about six years now. But before that, I've been in all sorts of random little bands and projects. And, you know, I I got my first guitar when I was a senior in high school. So that's where where it started. Yeah. Um, And where was high school? uh, I graduated high school in uh, Flathead, so Kalispell. Right on. Yeah. So... Um, when, when I got into guitar, it was always on kind of the weird side of music. So punk rock, alternative, you know, goth, post-punk, that whole thing where, you know, there is hardly, uh, anybody that was really into it. Each little school back in Montana back then had five, six, 10 people that were. I mean, how did you even find this world? (laughs) Well, I I think where it started for me was, uh, freestyle bike riding. So like skateboarding and freestyling. Uh, that's, that's what, that was my gateway. Sure. Like
1: BMX bikes on the half pipe, that kind of deal.
0: Yeah. I was all about flatland though. So like the flatland, uh, you know, tricks on just on the ground. Never was into the ramps too much. Walking over the
1: pegs and the tail whips and all that stuff. Yep. I've taken many a good wipeout trying to pretend (laughs) I was good at that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's super fun. And, uh. Every once in a while, I still have my Haro Master. Nice, and I'll, I'll pull that out.
1: What's that thing called? The rotor where you could spin the bike it's and the, the gyro. Break, the gyro, right? Yeah. Where you could spin the bike independently of the brake
0: cables. Yep, right? yep. The Odyssey yeah. gyro. That thing yeah. was awesome. Um, so at that time, I wasn't playing guitar or anything, and I was I was pretty much into like metal, you know, just or hard rock. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then like ACDC, that uh, yeah, sort of Van stuff. Halen, Def Leppard, Big Hair, Big Hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the '80s, and. Uh, I got into freestyling and into the skateboard world, and that's where that hard rock started going into punk. Yep, a little edgier. Yeah, and then that explodes into all sorts of genres of, of different music. So I was like listening to Exploited and Misfits, but I was also listening to The Cure and jesus and mary chain so i mean those are complete sides of the spectrum there and it's harder to
1: get your hands on that
0: music in those days right i mean you gotta go
1: sort through you are probably having to drive a little bit outside of flathead valley to find uh (laughs) find those cassette tapes
0: yeah totally i I, the thing about those days i always think it's funny is um any of the weird music was in imports Mm. you had to go find the import section yeah yeah and it didn't it didn't matter like it, it, it wasn't imported. It was just, a, you know, the, the tape store I didn't even know where to put it. So yep. they're like, we'll just put it imported. You know, it's that weird music. So, I mean, every time we'd go to Helena or Missoula or something, we would go, you know, to Rock and Rudy's. But you'd go to Great Falls. You'd find some, you know, music store and then go to the import section. And I would literally just close my eyes and just grab a tape and then check it out. And yeah. it was always like, I mean, that's the first time I ever listened to Sonic Youth was doing it that way. I remember Agent Orange I discovered that way and Big Black.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All all of those things were, you know, just random, like, you know, pre-internet. So to even understand what a band is or who they are or what they look like or what's their discography, it was like a ton of work. Yeah. And, the and labor they, of love. Yeah. Like, and you had a, to earn it. Yeah. And the, and then the idea of like Crowdsourcing that knowledge was a big deal. So it's sure. like if you got a tape, and I, I thought it was awesome, I might find another album of that same artist. I'd make you a tape of it, and you know, and suddenly we, you know, we'd learn more about it together. Um, you know, someone would go to Seattle for a trip, and they would, you know, come back with stuff. And yeah. Be totally. like, oh man, it's like this is awesome. But yeah, it was it was a lot harder to get into that. Um, and then years later, I, I moved to Missoula, and pretty much uh, since I moved here in '93. And pretty much since that time I was doing some kind of music thing, either a solo acoustic kind of thing. Um I don't want to say singer songwriter because it wasn't like like that, but it it was it was on the weird side of it. Okay. Um to uh, you know, various You might have to brunch.
1: unpack that for us there. That's a little bit of a <laughs> breadcrumb we gotta we gotta
0: yeah lean into. Well we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and and then just throughout the years, you know, I would go in bands and out of bands and trying to figure out... Uh, uh, there was a brief stint where I owned a recording studio, okay. and um, yeah, I was just always, always wanted to be part of some kind of musical thing, whatever it is. Sure. Um, even even the cable game, I, I just remember when I started that, I was kind of in between bands before Magpies, and... I, I had this weird vision of being, like, this old dude with crazy, like, gray hair, and, like, musicians would come over, and I'd fix their pedals, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, kind of, this, I still wanted to be a part of it, even though I was, like, too old to be a part of it, and I couldn't play anymore because my sure. hands are all arthritic, and but I still wanted to be part of the scene somehow, you I get know? it, yeah. Um, so that was one of the things where it was, like, you know, making pedals or cables was a possibility, but then magpies fired up, and then... Um, I got into that band, and that's been kind of just a awesome ride.
1: Six so, years, and you guys kind of tour regionally. Is that? Yeah, uh, the, band, the,
0: the band themselves—they've been together for over ten years. So I just—I just signed on six years ago. But yeah, we we tour. Uh, we've gone all the way to Chicago and Cleveland, um, down to San Francisco, nice. Seattle a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of Midwest stuff. Um, we just came back from Denver uh, last month. How would so. you describe
1: your music, your, your genre? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, although is that kind of like the question <laughs> you never ask a musician? Is what category do you belong in? I mean, that's yeah, really but offensive. I mean, it's
0: you have to. Yeah, I think I mean, so. It's, it, everyone needs to know what you sound like to even just have uh, some kind of visual where what box to put you in, you know? But the the classic what big box we just say indie rock. Yep. So, you know, it just. Couple loud guitars, but you know, we get we get compared to like Sonic Youth all the time mm-hmm. or Yola Tango, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I get unbraised. it, some, sometimes I don't, but yeah, at least I don't have a problem with you know, at least I like Sonic Youth, and I wouldn't be like, oh man,
1: yeah, exactly. Band. It's not a bummer,
0: yeah, but uh, yeah, we have two guitars, it's just loud, recce. We definitely have melodies, there's two vocalists, uh, husband and wife are the. Um, the two singers, so it's it's great hearing their melodies and what they work with. And my guitar, I always try to counter with Tolan's guitar as far as okay. we're just not playing the same things. So there's, I feel like there's a lot of movement in the in the stuff, even though it's like driving, but there's things that are happening. Nice, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I love it. I've listened to a bit of it to kind of just gear up on getting to know your work a little bit more. And, and you know, I, I love the work of Magpies. It's really compelling. Takes me back to some of my, I mean it's pretty clear I know nothing about music, but I like it. I like listening to it and sort of connecting it to some of the, the, the bands of my upbringing, the, the sonic use and stuff like that is it's definitely a connection.
0: It's definitely nineties. And that's, that's where that's formative. Tolan and I are both similar in age. So we both grew up in that time. So it's like, it's what I call the roots rock. Like, you know, immediately when I start playing guitar, it just sounds like the nineties sure I don't try yeah, I don't yeah. think about it it just that's just that's your this, wheelhouse. that's the stuff that you know it's in my DNA now you right. know so
1: so let's continue on with this portfolio of of hats that you wear you know you you've you've got the magpies you've got um rattlesnake cables, which we'll get into, but you've also got these various other pursuits I mean you do web developing web web development work and uh, you've got effects bay pedal finder like it seems like. There's all these things you've been doing to kind of stay engaged in the musical space and make contributions wherever you can.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I have a, another business called Astarna, which is the web development business. So okay. In 2003, I, I kind of went out on my own. I was working for a variety of firms in the early 2000s, um, web development. And then 2003, decided to go on my own. So I was just kind of working in my basement. Since sure. then, working on you know small business websites, uh, you know band sites, personal websites, all sorts of stuff to keep me busy. Um, drum coffee website, drum right? Coffee. Friend of the pod. You're yeah. sipping some
1: drum <laughs> Peru blend right now. Totally official uh, coffee of the podcast. Sorry, I had to oh, slot that in there. It's so good. It is good. Thank you for
0: that endorsement. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, ever since 2003, like the idea of being an entrepreneur. Uh, was that seed was dropped, and the idea of possibly making something work on my own terms w- was a thing. Yeah, I, I always thought it would be cool, like it was a possibility, in just like my my brain. But I mean, every job I had, I had a boss. I, I worked in places, um, that whole thing. Uh, but until 2003, and then you know a few years later, I suddenly said, "Wow, I can." I think I can do this, even though it's been a few years, clearly I'm doing it. So you're attracted
1: to the notion of, you know, owning your own time and being your own boss?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Because, I mean, I am, like, for sure a workaholic, like, self-diagnosed. That's obvious. You're, like, (laughs) the
1: fastest responder to email that I've ever encountered.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Which I love, but it's... It's a problem. That's the worst part about working from home is the separation between work and home is very difficult. Um but at the same time I, I always wanted to figure out options of like where where do I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um web development is something I, I really enjoy. I, I love working on computers. Um the challenge, the logic of all that stuff's like really, really appealing, but music was the thing. And I was always trying to figure out how can I bridge the gap to like I don't I don't think I can be a professional musician, I don't want to be on tour you know, nine months out of the year. That doesn't sound very it's cool tough to for me. the wife and family yeah, too. You know, so yeah. it's, all that's really tough. But then it was like, okay, maybe we can do these little passion side project businesses. And effects Bay was the first thing that really came out of that, where I just wanted to have a blog that talked about guitar effects and it just suddenly exploded into uh, this community, which was, it's been great. And, uh, it was super surprising and fun, and I've done over it was like almost three thousand posts for that wow. thing. It just the consistency thing was a, was a challenge that I wanted to see if I could take as a web developer. I always would get you know a business that they would say, "Oh, we need to have a blog," mm-hmm. right? Yep, and he'd be like. But you know, I just I would just look at that business and go, okay, you're going to do it for like a month, yeah, and then, and then you're going to and you're going to do it like every three months, and then it's like once a year, and then it's like never, and I'm going to go back to your website, and the last blog entry would be six years ago, right? Yeah,
1: yep, this thing that you think is going to make you look good will yeah. start making you look bad. It's
0: the opposite, right? So I used to always say, like, you know, you have to think when you do a blog, you have to ask yourself, okay, how. How many can I do consistently from this point on until the day I die? Mm. Think of it that way instead of the window of like, what can I do today? This month, how many can I do this month? You're scaring me. I'm thinking about this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. How am I going to keep it going? You know, it's like, I mean, but so, but that's where you get the realistic thing where it's like, okay, well, maybe I can do two, two a month. Well then, okay, then do two a month until you die and then just keep, just keep going. So effects Bay was one. That I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit there and like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna do X amount, you know, a month, and just keep cranking it out, and cranking it out, and then that's what I ended up doing for songs. How how I got so many posts up there. Yep. And um, you know, for the first you know, while you didn't get any kind of return on it, and you'd be like, why am I doing this? And then you start doing it, and then probably like this podcast, you you eventually get the community that kind of depends on. The content that you're putting out like that's part of their thing like i want to get my cup of coffee and read a post or i'm going to wait i'm waiting for that next episode in sure. so i can you know drink my coffee and see what's going on and- well
1: and with effects bay like you know and i don't i don't purport to know music enough to really understand this but it sounds my sense is from looking at that site is that you're solving people's problems like people are sort of coming there it's like a combination of advice pinterest you know i want to do this with my kit effects bay will sort of there'll be something on there that'll help me replicate what you know this this band is doing or that musician's doing or you know help me approximate somebody else's setup that i find interesting yeah i mean
0: the idea it's like i, I don't think of it like it, i mean the way i would always talk about effects bay was like i'm an aggregator of like content or ideas mm-hmm. or or something I don't really like to be like an expert, and where I'm saying, "Hey, this is you know, here's ten ways that I do this thing to help you do that thing." Yeah, but I do love the idea of like trying to find things that might inspire people that that I find. That's the aggregation part of it. Like I might find Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Junior's pedal board, and I break down all the pedals on it, and I post all about it. So if you love Dinosaur Junior and you want Jay's sound. You can sit there and say, oh, these are the pedals you have. And now you can start saying like, well, if I maybe got this pedal, maybe I can get that one tone that I was trying to get for this lead or, or something like that. Um, with effects, it's one of those things that's it, you're never isolated to exactly what that effect is for. So okay. you, you can get an Ibanez Tube Screamer, which is like a classic rock blues overdrive. But you can have like a noise band use it. You can have like a punk rock band use it, a country chicken picker with Telecaster doing country licks with the Tube Screamer. There's all these different applications. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, you have this pedal. That's how you're going to sound. So there's always these like interesting little pockets of like this weird noise band. And they're using this strange pedal that like you would never expect a noise band to use or a country person using a metal pedal. And you'd be like, oh, that's the whole creative inspiration part. Like, man, maybe I should get this weird pedal and just see how I can make it fit in my band or my style. Because usually a guitarist, especially, it's, it, they have this weird problem. They, they want to sound completely different, yet they also want to sound exactly like someone else. Mm, yeah, yeah. So somewhere in between in that fuzzy, like kind of confusing state, you, you hopefully you will come out with your own sound. Because you might be inspired of this band or this artist, and and you start going down that path for that tone, but then your style is different, and then you start modifying it. And suddenly now you don't sound like that guy, but you sound more like you. So it's it's always a struggle. Like, you know, I want to sound just like Jimi Hendrix, but do you? But different. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but different. I want to be, you know, I want to be the new Jimi Hendrix. Well,
1: and that might, I mean, I don't want to get too kind of off the thread here, but you know, as you're learning guitar or any instrument, you sort of have, you know, your first step is to like I learn how I want to learn how to play a song, and you probably choose, you know, a song that's easy. But you also start to choose songs that are yours, the songs you like. You know, you play play like your heroes. I mean, you see that with guitar, you see that with sports, you see it with whatever. But then you get to a point with certain proficiency where you start to have your own ideas. Mm-hmm start to express yourself, but it's still somewhat
0: derivative and influenced by others, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always a point where, I mean, I get, I catch myself all the time where I'll like play this song, come up with a little riff, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome, and then I find out, oh my god, this is a, this is a totally a song from The Cure, from blah, blah, it's (laughs) like, I just, just subconsciously yeah, it's in it might be in a different key, but it's the same pattern. It's the same, it's thing. The same you know, tempo and everything about it, it's basically the same, you know. And, you, and then you have to sit there and say, well, if I modify it, will will it be my own, or is it, or or can that just be the little tip of the cap to like a band that I like? Um, no one else will even notice it, you sure, know, in the whole mix of everything, you know. Um, but as as an artist, I always think that's the point where you have to get is where when you start writing, you just. You just subconsciously, naturally, just write your own sound. A new angle is underwritten
1: by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all
0: over Montana. Hey, this is Colter Nuanas from ESPN Missoula, and you're listening to A New Angle. Huh? You know, and that's that's hard. Um, and then when you do it, it's easy. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to get to that point. And then when you cross the threshold suddenly that's the only way I can write. It's I mean, when I write music for me, it's 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 my song, my style for the most part. And my influences are wrapped around in it. and it just kind of plops out.
1: <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, I mean, I it's an interesting analogy or just sort of way of thinking about it. we've we've interviewed a few different writers here on the show, we've interviewed a few different musicians, and I'm always interested in the kind of the, That's one of the big themes is creativity and how it it kind of comes to life and that that process. The only thing I can really equate it to, kind of as an academic, you, you spend your whole life as a student, right? And as a student, you get really good at answering questions. And then there's this moment where all of a sudden you're expected to start asking the questions. And, like that is a big challenge like this level of ambiguity like whoa 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 I'm not used to doing it that way and then once you figure out that you can't ask questions you all all of a sudden realize like whoa the amount of questions that are out there is infinite there're just there's way mm-hmm. more questions to be asked than there are that have answers mm-hmm. so maybe something similar I, I
0: think know. that's I think that's really similar yeah I like that because it is definitely a it it's a it's a a shift in thinking when, when, when you, when you cross the thresholds, it's just, it's just a different way of going about it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. It makes sense. So let's,
1: so, you know, the one thing about effects Bay and pedal finder, like you're providing a service to a community. And it seems to me that that's a little bit of how Rattlesnake cables kind of came to fruition. You started making cables for yourself, Mm -hmm. for your friends, and now it's a real thing. But let's take it back to those formative years. Um, you know, what was kind of the the unmet need that you saw in the marketplace? Why was there, why was there a need for a better cable? Well,
0: I mean, I think it, it's for. I, I let me think about like how to phrase that. So when when you think about a cable, uh, it, it's it's one of those items that are never really looked at as like a fun thing. It's never looked at as a cool thing or an exciting thing, right? Yeah. So you might spend two grand on a guitar and you might spend two grand, three grand on an amp set up and then you go and get like the, the free cable that comes with it. I would say if, if, you, if you weren't aware about like what tone is going through uh, the, between the guitar and the amp, that you could be almost in, in that whole thing of like your head's in the sand about it. Because you might not know and that's fine. So, you're well, yeah, old, if
1: you're new, you like you're probably just aspiring to like oh, I'm saving all my pennies for that for yeah. that guitar. And once I get that, I get get the amp and the yep. cables like this extra thing. You're like, "Oh, whatever, just yeah. connect these two damn things and play." Exactly.
0: So, the first thing a, a, a novice player would do or notice is the durability of the cable. Hmm. Because you're, you're going to notice that cheap cable breaks in, yeah. in six weeks, and then you're going to go get another cheap cable because you, you have no idea that that actually impacts tone. You just think, I have this cable that connects these two devices, that cable broke, I need to get a replacement. Sure. So then the next logical step is, okay, I need to get a better cable that's more durable yeah. so it lasts a little longer, mm-hmm. right? So as you start climbing up the, the ladder of cabling, that's when you start getting to the the point of the rattlesnake level of like a boutique cable so it's all about durability for one then the surprising thing for a lot of people is the tone factor
1: yeah so explain that yeah
0: so when you when you get it when you get a cheap cable that means the copper inside of the cable is usually a really really thin thread of copper it's it's shielded with like real thin, loosely wrapped shielding of copper because the copper is the expensive part yeah, of the Copper's cable, expensive. Right? I
1: mean that's why meth heads are ripping it off a gutter that. So there's other reasons it's yeah. expensive
0: too. Yeah. So th- those that little thread of copper can break and lose its connection. So that, that that has that problem. And then the the really loose shielding on it is where you start getting radio frequencies, RF. That's where you start, you know, like the spinal tap where you're starting to get, you know, like you can literally get radio coming through your amp and stuff. It could be poor shielding on, on that. And, and the big part of the tone is what they call capacitance, where it's, it's, it's the physics between the center conductor and the distance between the, sh- the outer shield. There'll be little electrons trying to pull off frequency from your center conductor going to ground. And what ends up happening there is you turn your cable into a capacitor, which is the same thing as a tone knob on your guitar. So what happens is you're going to have a darker, muddier tone okay. and weaker tone, right? So you can make those adjustments on your amp to you dial stuff in, like, you know, make it a little louder, add a little more high end. You can try to compensate for that. So what usually happens is, like, someone who's, like, in their whole entire musical world never, ever cared about cables, and they'll get a rattlesnake, they'll plug it in, and like they'll, like, email me, call me, whatever, They're like, whoa, it's, like, it's like way louder, and it's, like, the highs are really crisp, and yeah. the lows are super punchy. They're and like, getting and all they, of it. They, they, they were so surprised it would actually literally change the tone of their guitar. And some people even, like, I had to change my amp because, like, I had all these highs in there. Now it's too high. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of, like, brings it back to an even frequency baseline. It's like you clean
1: out the filter in your shower. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like
0: all the water's coming through. Yeah. So I like the idea of, like, let's start with the best tone possible. Like, your guitar going into a cable, into an amp, should be your purest, simplest, positive tone. So before you add pedals and distortion and all sorts of craziness. You should just have a really good setup from like strumming the guitar and what's coming out of the amp. And that cable is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So,
1: And I've listened to you, I mean, along those lines, I've listened to you talk about, um, you know, as a web developer, I mean, you're you're working in your basement, you're earning your own time, you're building people's websites, you're a facilitator in that sense. There's some similarities. But I've heard you say there's an appeal to making things.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a yeah um, I kind of forgot about that until you just said that. so yeah, the when I started getting into computers in the the late like '90s, I was fascinated by programming and the whole thing with websites, and then the idea of, you know pretty much pr- pretty early on in the, in the mid early 2000s, 2000, 2006, 2007 is kind of the point where I was kind of bummed out that everything I was making was all just stored on a computer. You yeah, know, virtual. Like, you know, hard drive goes out, you lost it. Sure. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, really, it was really kind of... Well, and is it real, right? Yeah. And around that same time, I started hanging out with uh, a couple of luthiers and, and, and friends of mine, like, online and talking about what, what they're doing in the music field. And I was like, man, like, you guys make things, like, physical things, like you could die, and this thing stays around for you know a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You can pass this down to your children, you know, not saying that one day someone will pass like a guitar cable down to their grandkids. you know what I mean, But the idea of making something physical and 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 seeing it used is is like really amazing to go when I go play a show and i I use you know my cable obviously Mm -hmm. like everyone make pies like use them it doesn't really do a whole lot for me but it's like when i go to a show and it's like i don't even know that band i don't even know that person playing and i look at their cable and go hey that's a rattlesnake yeah i don't know how they got that i don't even know who that person is and that's where you go wow it's like like you know there's also this weird trust thing too like you know they're trusting this cable for this performance to work yeah i mean and so that's, that's the other thing too, where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a part of helping them create their thing, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's like, you know, I don't need any credit or anything. No, like but, but, but the idea is like. You're a contributor in a way. we're seeing that happen and yeah. it's like, wow, it's like, that's cool. I don't get that kind of feeling when I do a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care if it's like the most popular website in the world and there's tons of visitors and I don't get that same like. Interesting. I know, wonder
1: what's different about that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, there's something about like working with your hands and putting something together though. Well, so that,
1: yeah, that making, you know, and that's a whole thing in education right now. We're sort of getting into this whole makers and creating space Mm -hmm. for makers. And, you know, what we do with the broader impacts group is get people out there, you know, doing stuff with their hands, making actual things. And it makes me think about, you know, we've talked offline about this cooking analogy. Yeah. Right. you've had deep experience in the cooking space and have brought kind of a, the perspective that you, you learned in that space to your production of cables. You may be talking about that. Yeah.
0: So it's like, you know, how, when I graduated high school, I I was all, I I mean, really all I focused on was finding music. (laughs) I mean, that was like, that was, that was a full-time job for me to like save all my money and order a tape in the mail or to go find a record store or whatever. And somehow maybe start this band that was in my head that was never, ever going to happen. That was all I cared about and probably beer, right? That was it. And it's good things to care about. Yeah, You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, 19, right? Sure. So so by the time, you know, I was like 20, 21, the first kind of occupation I got into that was like something that, that seemed like a career was cooking. So I got a job in a restaurant as a mm-hmm. dishwasher and, and ended up getting on on to be a cook and working with these line cooks that were you know salty like grizzled vets grizzled grizzled like burnt out cooks you know like angry yeah. angry people with knives and somehow I looked <laughs> up to these people like man you guys you guys got it all figured out <laughs> man one day one day I'm gonna be just like you you'll be angry and maybe have a knife too. <laughs> But I, I really loved working in a restaurant. And then when I moved to Missoula, there was this great Italian restaurant called Zimarina's back then on, on like North Higgins. It's an awesome place. And um, working with a crew of cooks on a Friday night, full house, full board, there was always this really great camaraderie. And there there is this, um, when you got the A-team together and somehow you just felt invincible to crush a night, and then when it was all done, you, you, you got off and you had a beer. That was a thing where I was like, I, I thought it was so awesome. But how that relates to cables is I noticed as soon as Rattlesnake got to the point where we were like doing production, like now I need to, instead of making like two or three cables a month, now we're making, you know, 300 cables a month, right? Sure. Um, it was a point where, okay, when well, there needs to be a process like, how does this process work? Like, when an order comes in, like, wh- how does that go? And how 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 does it work its way through the whole shop, right? That's where the cooking thing comes in. Suddenly now it's weird. Like, tickets come in just like tickets in a restaurant. We have a line, like a, a board, and we have prep cooks. What I, that's the only way I can kind of quantify it in my head. So it's like prep cook, and there's like a saute cook is the guy doing the soldering. Yep. And, you know, and it has this whole kind of flow where every time I'm even talking about how we do orders, um, there is a thing. I even applied that for web development a lot of times. Like when you work for a restaurant and you're an expediter, the one running the wheel or the ticket board or whatever you call it. In Zimmerinos, we call it the QB. QB. Um,
1: what's QB stand the for? The quarterback.
0: Quarterback. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, had, we had quarterback. Sauteer and sluffer. Those are the three. Yeah, sluffer was garlic bread guy, salad, you know. Utility player. Utility, yep. And uh, so when you're the QB, you used to have this board, and like to be an all star on the board is how you manage the board. So if you got like a 10 top and you got three two tops behind it, I used to pound out the three two tops first. And normally, per- people that are just new, they would just go sequentially, like you do the ten top, yeah, yeah. the next one, the next one. But it's like you're slow. The ten top will always be slow, and you look like a hero if you pound out the three two tops. The servers are gonna love you. The two tops didn't have to wait till ten top got their food. Ten top already knows they're gonna yeah, be here for yeah, a while. They're a big group. They're, they're a all team. hanging out anyway, right? So it's like I do that with orders, you know. So let me get like, you know, I always refer to like single single orders as being two tops. Like, oh, this is a two-top totally. order. And, you know, we shuffle those around, and we just really super efficiently pound out a lot of orders that way. Instead of, like, you know, if a dealer order comes in, for instance, a dealer order comes in, there's 80 cables on it. I'm not going to make those 80 and then make every custom order behind it wait an extra day yeah. because I'm kind of a fanatic about getting those things yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? No so, loose ends. Yeah. And, you know, with the restaurant – you know, another another comparison with the cables is the fact that, you know, every, you know, you're as good as your last meal, Sure. you're as good as your last order Yep. too, right? So it's like every time I send a cable out and an order, it's like a mini salesman, you know, and I'm really strong about like, uh have strong feelings about uh, buyer experience. Right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's clear. I
1: mean, the whole presentation, the branding, the, yeah. just the, the package you brought over for us, like, oh, yeah. man, we're looking at this little... Rattlesnake Cables bag that the ca- In in which the cables came and It's all just beautifully Kind of choreographed For that user experience
0: Yeah I mean the restaurant You know Bob Zimarin Used to say You eat with your eyes first Yeah Right absolutely. So it's like I want people to feel like They're getting the best cable Before they even plugged it in mm-hmm. Like I want them to feel like They got the best cable When they just placed order and, Like every step of the way I want to reinforce it You did a good decision This is going to be good You know This is going to be great And then open the box i still want to keep giving you that that feeling like we're we're good this is good just wait till you plug it in
1: yeah know? it makes me think about that actual aspect of the relationship with the cable the plugging in of the cable and if that is maybe an interesting touch point where a musician can kind of experience this value. cuz you you framed it in terms of like hey here's this thing that people sort of ignored in the value yeah. chain you got your guitar you got your amp this cable was largely ignored, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, it's like there's there's really pragmatic and grounded ways that that actually is critical oh, yeah. in creating the sound. But that the plugging in of it is the thing that kind of yeah kind of makes it all come to life. And yeah. I, I just wonder if that's part of
0: the the you know, you key know part I mean, of the experience. Everyone has their like rituals, you know. Sure. Like for me, I play with two guitars, and I have this like weird thing where you know, like I have two cables for both guitars, and. You know, I pl- I plug the same one in both of them. I have no idea why. Yeah. They're the same length. They're the same, I built them the same day, but if for whatever reason, this one goes in this guitar, and sure. this one goes That's in that guitar. It's just my thing. You know, it's like ritual is important. It's so. just part of it.
1: And <laughs> if you can develop products that become part of a ritual, I mean, now you're developing brand identification. It's yeah, it's becoming part of somebody's identity. It's becoming part of their routine. Those those are powerful effects.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the brand thing is like uh, it's something that you know I've always thought was challenging and super fun at the same time. Where, you know, like you saw like on Instagram, like the rattlesnake sightings, you know, um, that which is t- an
1: awesome. By the way, folks, it's an
0: awesome hashtag to follow: rattlesnake sighting. <laughs> um, so that that's that's one of those things where I was like, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, you know, when we, when when we started selling. Beyond our friend circle, yeah, beyond our Missoula circle, like how do i how do I even talk because when you're talking about cables, everyone there's tons of people who make cables mm-hmm. i mean in music gear, it's saturated in every aspect of it. you want to do pedals, you want to do guitars, there's a million guys doing all sorts of stuff, so it's like how do you kind of cut through the noise you know how do you how do you work your way to like some kind of level of like people start taking notice of you, sure. And it's a constant like fight, you know, and the brand thing with Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. It's always about like that community. I want that community around it, where I want people who own a cable to feel like they own a part of the brand, like they're committed to it as well. Sure, because they're the ones that are going to like you know help spread the word. They're the ones going to tell their bandmate about it, And, and it's like you want them to feel like they're part of this together because it's, it's a weird thing where it's if, if you just look at the brand, look at the, the product, it, it has to be more than that. You know, it's where it's like the story, you know, you're buying, you're buying a piece of me too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like people are into the idea of like, Hey, this is Montana May, This is, you know, this guy's like doing, you know, taking these pictures and all sorts of, like, that's all part of the thing. And that rattlesnake sighting was just another way of like, how can we get to the point where if you were on the fence or didn't even know about rattlesnake, I want you to some, some I want that, almost that weird feeling. Like, I feel like I should w- want one. Like in this weird way of like, yeah, no. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I need one. I, I felt that's, that that's the thing where, I mean, you, you started know.
1: following us on, you know, I think it was after we dropped our episode with Jeff Amant. You started following the podcast and, you know, I started following your social media and seeing these rattlesnake sightings and I'm not a musician. I have no need for cables. I mean, we sort of have need here in the studio yeah. now. But uh, I was like, man, these cables are cool. I want to get one of those cables. And then I got colleagues that are musicians and fans of your work. And they got Rattlesnake mugs and Rattlesnake this and that. Wow. This guy's built a lifestyle brand around cables.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um, that also goes, I think, also to, I, I just remember uh, Charlie's, Beaton's. Yeah episode because him and, you know, he and I both have like a similar thread as far as like, like early old school punk rock sure ethics or not ethics, but just that the DIY aspect of like, you have to do it yourself. And, um, you know, back in the days with the freestyle and skateboarding, we used to do like freestyling exhibition shows and we, you know, we had to do all our own posters and stickers oh and, yeah. and the whole thing. So like, we're trying to figure out ways of like, how can you make punk-rocky attitude with, like, cables. Like, how can, you know, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, how to how to spread the word in a, in a non-conventional way. Because you'll see, like, big, like, you know, huge, like, cable companies, and it's very, like, you know, premier guitar magazine slick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not really who, who we are. So it's like, I was like, how do I get, like, more to, you know, guys that are, you know, like, touring and or, or like, musicians that are just looking for a different, item, yeah. like not mainstream, um, because it's always, I always feel like I'm always on the fringe of like, you know, weird music, or like I play a different style of music, I like to have weird pedals, I like to, you know, like have different amps than like everyone else does, you know, it's like you're always kind of just searching for something different, that mm-hmm. was that whole thing where you want to sound like someone, but also... One. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's kind of cool when you have like gear that no one else has too, and you'd be like, where'd you get that? What's, what's that cable, you mm-hmm. know? But... It all just, it's just weird. It just comes back to like those, like, like late 80s, early 90s, just kind of like you had to really, if you wanted to do it, you just have to do it and just work at it and grind forever.
1: (laughs) Well, gosh, I mean, as we're talking about this, so many kind of parallels to various areas of my profession kind of come in. I mean, and I think a lot of, there's a lot of truth to the notion that at institutions, um a lot of the most impactful work happens sort of on the fringes, right? Because maybe those are the areas that are overlooked or um, not maybe as directly overseen or maybe have the fewer resources and have to be crafty and resourceful and um, just makes me think that there's something in this creative process about tension between scarcity and abundance. Sure, you give a team a bunch of resources and they can go make something. But you also like, try to create some abundance of thought within an environment of scarcity and you, interesting things might happen. Like you add some constraints and um, yeah, you can kind of uncover some things you might not have ordinarily uncovered. Yeah. Anyway. So what's next for rattlesnake cables,
0: man? Um, just, just growing. Um, you know, we're always trying to improve over the year before. And we have, and it's you know, it's 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 been great to like kind of snowball when you look I mean, my wife who's a major, major part of rattlesnake. I mean yeah. she she solders cables and she's you know, it's like is a major pusher. Like for me, I'm like a, a guy like I, I love I kind of live in the grind and I, I can put myself in a bubble of just just killing myself basically. <laughs> you know, just going through it and she has this view of what's next and what's further like like she definitely pushes me on the like, whole board yeah i i always want to feel like i do but i don't think i do yeah. she definitely does and she'll be like yeah we should like do this and i'm like oh we can't do that you know that's too hard that's too that's too that's too big of a bite you know and next thing you know we're doing it and yeah. it's like she just and she always says it i say no and then it's like you know a week later i'm like you know i think that is a good that's idea a good Idea, you yeah. know it's like that's So, you know, when I'm always thinking about the, you know, the future, you know, it's always about like, how can we, you know, continually grow the brand? How can we increase our reach? Um, You know, cables are kind of a weird product because, you know, when you, when you buy X amount, you're kind of done.
1: Yeah. When you buy cables (laughs) that are particularly durable (laughs) Yeah. too, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, trying to grow your market. You're all about new customers.
0: Yeah. But you know it's weird though it's you know i'm I'm a firm believer of that whole eighty mm-hmm. twenty rule you know so it's like in in the world of my world that that's a huge, huge thing uh so even though my my you know my existing customers are might be dead as far as like new purchases um they never are It's strange because they're the ones buying gifts, yeah and that ones, word of mouth effect yeah, too you and know. sharing and being part of the tribe I mean those yeah. sorts of effects are powerful for you yeah. guys so you know. I think we're just going to continue on that. We we do have some new products. We're going to be working on a Coily guitar cable here. Soon. Okay. Um. Um. Yeah. And and you know, getting in further into our our dealer market, try to do that. But definitely, you know, our focus has always been like custom work for people, and um, you know, and just trying to get to you know more more bands and more musicians. In yeah. the hands
1: of the people. In nice. the hands of the people. So Hank, how do uh, how can you listeners find Rattlesnake Cables and find your work?
0: Well, you can go to uh, www.rattlesnakecables.com for the website, and if you want to see examples, yeah, I would go to Instagram.com/rattlesnakecables slash or Facebook.com/rattlesnakecables. Yeah, follow that hashtag Rattlesnake Yeah, Sniting. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Hank, for coming down, sharing your wisdom, your awesome. story, and uh, for contributing to the podcast. It's just great to have you guys he's part of the family now. Awesome. And, uh, just of luck. Great. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Hank as much as I did. Uh, next week, another local musician, Kevin Cohane, whose band Catnip has recently put out a couple of albums and we'll talk about that. We also talk about Kevin's day job. He is the brand talent strategist over at Partners Creative an advertising and communications agency here in town that I've collaborated with on a variety of dimensions. Excited to bring you my conversation with Kevin next week. Remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. By now, you've been listening long enough to know that these guys are big and that they sell pretty much everything electrical you would ever need. But you might not know that they hire a ton of University of Montana students. If you want to learn more about careers at CED, visit cedcareers.com. It's a great website name. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Comzar, Elizabeth Willie, interns, Aspen Runkle, Mason Dow, and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO for the tunes, and finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Before we go, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag #NewAngle when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.